Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Father Frank Pavone, he created and led the uh, pro-life group Priests for Life for several years, maybe a couple of decades, I think. He is uh, a most staunch defender of the unborn, and it is his passion in life. But that passion has put him at loggerheads with the Catholic Church and the Catholic hierarchy, the conflict reaching to the Vatican, where we assume Pope Francis signed off on stripping him of his priestly status. It's called laicized uh, For many of his defenders, uh, this is an injustice of the highest levels. How could the Catholic Church strip a priest of his clerical duties for his role as a political activist in protecting the unborn? Now, seeing how the Catholic Church is the loudest voice in support of the unborn, it would seem more appropriate to give Father Frank an award. Um, But So let's hear from Father Frank and and what he believes this is about. Uh, First of all, I'm going to keep calling you Father Frank because I just can't believe that Someone can just decide that you're not a priest when you clearly have been ordained, and it just seems an, it, it just seems an injustice to me. But anyway, uh, what's your take on this whole situation? I mean, it, in the thirty second version, we're going to get to the details, but you know, the, the quick version. The quick version, Lauren, and thank you very much uh, for this, is that the same weaponization we see in civil government against political opponents has infiltrated the Catholic Church. This is a weaponization of otherwise legitimate processes in the church uh, to deal with actual crimes being used against someone whose message they don't like. Why could they not like the message about defending the unborn, and especially the Catholic Church? Well, as you said, uh, the church and also Pope Francis have been very, very clear about how wrong abortion is. But within that overall message and without changing that fundamental message, there are many degrees and many methods of addressing abortion. We at Priests for Life, and as you pointed out, I've been leading this ministry now for 30 years, actually, uh, full time. And uh, we have been a a reform movement within the church because we've been saying we need to be doing more. We need to be speaking more. And we need to be applying the pro-life message more to the political arena. Bottom line, Lauren, I think what's going on here is this. Through what I have done, uh, our work has made the Democrat Party and its leaders look very bad. Now, we're not talking about grassroots Democrats. Listen, we interact with the tens of millions of grassroots Democrats across America who identify themselves as pro-life. So this is nothing against them. But the leadership of the party has gotten so radically in favor of abortion without limits, not even protecting babies who survive abortions and forcing us to pay for it, that I have been very explicit about the fact that we in the church cannot shy away from addressing the political implications of our pro-life position. Well, Lawrence, some bishops don't like that. Some cardinals at the Vatican 
didn't like that. They told me so. Uh, I know that this has been brewing. This has been brewing. This didn't come out of the blue. This punishment that they put on me, this has been brewing for years, even decades. And I know that that a lot of it is rooted right on that point. We're offending their Democrat friends. Well, I don't understand the whole uh, the politics behind this. But we understand that people like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, who are, you know, cultural Catholics, for as far as I can say. And, you know, Biden's believes he is a devout Catholic, and I think Pelosi does as well, but they are staunch supporters of of, of abortion. And so this is the Democratic Party you're dealing with. So you're talking about the bishops are afraid of fit, offending like people like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. Yeah. Why? Yeah, they are, because first of all, they do partner with a lot of these Democrat leaders on other programs. And I'm not saying anything against, uh, you know, many of the the social justice programs that that these Democrats will help the bishops to undertake in their dioceses or the funding of various initiatives of the bishops. You know, all that work is well and good. All we're saying is don't forget the unborn. Include the unborn in that. And what we're saying is, hey, let's not let our fruitful partnership with 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 Democrat leaders on certain social justice projects make us feel intimidated about calling them out regarding the killing of babies by abortion. Uh, that's that's where that's the, the 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 nub of the of the problem. So what does it mean to actually laicize a priest? What does that actually mean? Yes. Well, the Catholic Church, and you pointed this out already, uh, and thank you for having such a precise understanding of this. The Catholic Church teaches that once you're a priest, you're always a priest. It's like being baptized. Once you're baptized, you never re-baptize a person. Right. Okay. So you don't you don't reordain a person either. But along with the ordination to the priesthood comes certain rights and responsibilities. And uh, you know, you have the right to, for example, say mass in public. You know, as I've done for 34 years. And and and, and you have certain other rights and duties. Well, the church can say to a priest. Well, we cannot unordain you, but we can we can prohibit you from functioning publicly in that role. And that's what they've done here. Now, it can be changed. And Lauren, I'm knocking on the door uh, of Pope Francis (laughs) and I'm asking him to change it, to reconsider. I mean, I've talked with Pope Francis four or five times over the years. He's encouraged me in my work. I know that he supports what we do, especially in regard to the um, uh, the healing. You know, we oversee Rachel's Vineyard, the largest ministry for healing those who have had abortion. So we exercise the compassion here, and he loves that. But he did sign off on this. We know that for a fact. And now, and he's the only one that can reverse it at this point. He why, 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 I got to get back. I get, why would he sign off on this? Why well, would he sign because- off? Because I can tell you, and I can, uh, uh, we've posted this. I have a website, frfrankpavone.com. We've posted and documented what I'm about to say because it may sound like an exaggerated or unfair thing to say, but I, I assure you, it's all there. Uh, various bishops have lied to me and to the Vatican about me, and uh, it's a sad, sad thing that this has to happen. But there are certain bishops, and it only takes a handful. Uh, that can create this problem. And, you know, like in politics, personnel is policy, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you got the you got the wrong people in the right positions at times. Because, Lauren, let's put this in perspective. The Vatican has backed me up many times when I've had to appeal to them over the objections of certain bishops. Yeah. Various bishops have tried to block this work over the years. I have appealed and I have won repeatedly, even under Pope Francis. And now what happened, the only thing that changed in recent years is the 
the, again, personnel's policy, some of the personnel in the office at the Vatican that handles precisely these matters when priests are at odds with their bishop. And, and there was a personnel change there recently mm-hmm. by Pope Francis's direct intervention. And then, then the results ended up being this way. I mean, they convinced the Pope about certain things. But listen, the Pope can change his mind. And also, if he doesn't, there will be a next pope, and I will be knocking at his door <laughs> if necessary. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I know many of our viewers are Catholic. I'm a faithful Catholic. I'm not going to, you know, bolt from the church. I'm not going to rebel against the church. I'm going to continue my pro-life work because fortunately my my team, my board, everyone's behind me a thousand percent. There's no internal dissension. Um, so we're going to continue our work uh, uh, educating the people about abortion and about the political aspects and about the healing. But uh, I I, uh, I want to serve as a priest. I, I love the church. I believe in it, and uh, and so many others do as well. Uh, and and I don't want uh, uh, you know this message to be um, uh, to be to be seen as something that you know. Th- this is the harm that's being done here. So many people are seeing as the church kind of pushing away the the pro life message, and that is 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 very harmful to the church. Yeah. You know, the Vatican statement came out on December 13th, uh, which was more than a month after they said they'd actually defrocked you, which is kind of interesting yeah. right there. So you were yeah. really surprised. I'm blindsided, really, by this whole, uh, by the way, we just defrocked you more than a month ago. Um, mm-hmm. And the statement read in part that blasphemous communications on social media and for uh, persistent disobedience of lawful instructions from his diocesan bishop. That's according to the Vatican yeah. statement. What was right. the blasphemous um, communication? Uh, honestly, that's what I would like to know. Uh, they didn't specify that to me. I don't know what in the world they're talking about. Um, uh, there was complaint uh, about my social media because, again, I was being too harsh on the Democrats. I mean, I, I, I know that I have posts that are very insulting uh, to the Democrat Party, but that's because they're standing up for baby killing. So if they consider that blasphemy, that doesn't reflect very well on mm-hmm. them because it looks like they're making, a, you know, a shrine or a, or, a, or a deity out of the Democrat leaders, which actually some of them do. Uh, the other thing about it, the persistent disobedience, that's just not true. I've always obeyed every assignment I've been given by any bishop that I have been under, and I've even obeyed things that I considered were wrong at the time, but out of respect for authority. Like, for example, one time my bishop, uh, I was out doing, like I said, I've been doing this work for 30 years. I've been traveling to every state. I've been with pro-life people in every community. Uh, they know it, the pregnancy centers, praying at the abortion mills. And I'm in the midst of doing all this work, and 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 and, and my bishop said, you have to come back. It was the Diocese of Amarillo. You have to come back right now. Yeah, that's, you know? the, that's so he, Bishop Patrick Zurich, right? Of the Diocese yes. of Amarillo, Texas. Yes. Okay. That's right. And so it back, this is back in 2011. He said, mm-hmm. you've got to come back right now. So I came, Lauren, the very day that he told me to report back to the diocese. And when he told me to come back to Amarillo, I didn't go to Anchorage. I didn't go to, to you know Amsterdam. I went to Amarillo. And I go back there. And that very same day, he flew out of the country to Brazil. Now, if this was so important, where, where in the world are you going? So, uh, but I went there, and that's when, um, you know, it's like I say, what do you mean you haven't been obedient? I was obedient. And then for a number of years, Lauren, he didn't even give me an assignment. I mean, I was doing the priest for life work, but he didn't like that. So he technically, well, I was under the unassigned category. So for those who say I wasn't obedient to my bishop, my question is, how do you obey or disobey an order that you don't even have? Now- so... I, now, as I understand, you've actually well. One of the things, and I did read this on online, was you used the word "you g damn" um, in a tweet, and yes. you said I, you, sh- I sh- you shouldn't have done it, but that, and you asked, and you know, you repented, and you went to yes, 
confession about that, right? Right, right. But right. And, and Lauren, that was in and it wasn't that I was going out on a tweet saying that it was in a, the midst of a conversation with one of the people who was uh, again, it was over the Democrat Party and Biden, uh, you know, and I got angry. And see, here's the thing. I, I, I as you said, exactly right. I should not have said that. I do not say that. I'm not in the habit of saying that. I was particularly angry at this particular point. But the other thing I bring out is, okay, one can say, hey, oh, you shouldn't do that. First of all, dismissing someone from the priesthood is not is not a, a, a proportional remedy for using GD in, 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 in one, right, one right. tweet. But the other thing about this is more, more to me, more to the point. Are we getting sufficiently angry at what the Democrat Party is doing to America? Killing babies, forcing us to participate in it, destroying our border, wrecking our economy, wrecking our standing on the international scene, rewriting our history, indoctrinating our children with all kinds of things that are totally unbiblical and and ungodly. When are we going to get angry? Now, a lot of the people are getting angry. And, you know, we have to properly channel that anger. We we need to submit that anger to God and say, Lord, you know, uh, I'm not going to deny that I'm angry, but let me use my energy to do good in a positive way. But, but you know, the message you get from some of these church leaders is you shouldn't be angry in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. We need to be angry against the right things. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that um, you, you did, though, um, I'm not saying that you're accused of this, but you actually uh, supported uh, uh, a group Catholics for Trump. You served on um, oh, yes. the advisory group. And you, do you think a lot of people, because there's there's such hatred, uh, you know, the, the, what is it? The uh, it, It's just, uh, it's it, it's almost, a, you know, you know, it's just over the top hatred for Trump. Do you think that's it part is. of it too? Oh, it is part of it. And I've got, you see, I have his picture behind yeah. me uh, here as we're talking. And, and I say, people say, why do you have a picture of President Trump when you do your broadcast? And I tell them, well, because if he were, weren't where he is, we wouldn't be where we are. He defended our ministry and countless Catholic ministries as well from those mandates under the Obama-Biden administration that would have put us out of business uh, because if we had violated our conscience, I mean, the bishop should be thanking President Trump and praising him up and down for the way he has secured uh, of the freedom of the church to be the church. So, but I do know for a fact, Lauren, when I was serving, I served on both of President Trump's presidential campaigns, and I will assist in this next one as well. Uh, I was the national co-chair of Pro-Life Voices for Trump, which was one of his coalitions. I was on the Catholic Advisory Coalition as well. And um, I was told at a certain point by, I have obviously a team of of canon lawyers helping me both in the U.S. and in Rome. Mm -hmm. And they actually told me the team over in Rome said, if you don't get off the the committee of the Trump committee, the Catholic advisory group, they're going to kick you out of the priesthood. Do you think so? Do you think this is it? This is really the reason why they did this. Well, that they 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 said that to me. They threatened that uh, me with that. So at that time, you know, the campaign was very gracious very respectful of the church. The Trump campaign said, look, we don't have to give you an official title. If you're saying you have to step down in order to be a faithful priest, you know, but just tell us what we need to do. So I did, again, out of respect and obedience, I came off of that committee, but I didn't stop supporting President Trump because that would have violated my conscience. So at first, this was so funny to watch, funny in a, in a kind of, you know, a strange sense, because because the Vatican they were like 
they could falling over themselves, thanking me. Oh, thank you so much for, for obeying our request and not being on. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then a few months later, they weren't so happy with me because they saw I was continuing to support President Trump and his policies. It's like, why don't you guys be honest from the start? It's not about technically being on the committee or having a title. If you don't like the policies of President Trump, you know what? It's up to you to explain to the public how it is, what it is that you think is wrong with those policies. Um, and that's but so I know for a fact that this is at least part of the mix uh, as to why this happened. All right. We're going to take a break right now here on, on Lighthouse Faith uh, podcast, talking with Father Frank Pavone about why he was laicized, why he was defrocked. We'll be right back. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Okay, well, I'm back with Father Frank Pavone because I still call you Father Frank Pavone. I'm not going to call you anything else because you have been well, ordained. Uh, so, you know, that's this, I, I, you know, that's with the Vatican, well, but, you know, I'm still Lauren, let, let me thank you for that. And let me point something out, because some reporters have asked me over the last month and a half, you know, hey, there's still people calling you father. What do you have to say about that? And here's what I said. I said it shows that the term father is about a relationship, not about a piece of paper. When we serve as priests, we nurture people's faith. We, we nurture their spiritual life, whether they're Catholic or not. And, and I said that and people who appreciate my work and who and who value it will call me that because of the relationship, not because some piece of paper, even if it's over in Rome. So thank you for that. Well, you know what uh, used to be? This is very, you remember this, and it's probably still in the legal system, or maybe it's changed. You know, when women got divorced, right, they were still called Mrs. Smith, even though they ah. were divorced from their their husband, right? They were still called Mrs. because in the eyes of God, you don't just sever a marriage. She's still right. Mrs. And right. I think that's what's yeah. the same thing. When you're ordained a priest, it's like being married. You know? Yeah, everyone, everyone is saying that to reminding me of the scripture, you are a priest forever. And that's Catholic doctrine. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? This is the thing. Um, you know, and this is why I got so angry at this, because I've covered the sexual abuse crisis in the Catholic Church, and there have been serial abusers in the Catholic Church that have not been treated like you. And, That's right. And, and like, why do you associate Father Frank Pavone's defense of the unborn equal to someone who's a sexual abuser? It's, it's terrible. Uh, you know, it, it's something that uh, shows uh, we have a division within the church. And, and again, I want to help people to understand what has happened here by, 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 by looking at the kind of division we have in our nation. We have... Uh, a divide like we've perhaps never had before, where the the FBI, I mean, my friend Mark Houck, and, and I've ministered to him with, it, we've been side by side with pro-life activities uh, over the years. And this man in Philadelphia, father of of, of a family and, and, and a peaceful man, uh, his home is raided by the FBI, right? And his trial right. has been mm -hmm. taking place during these days. Um, uh, it's the weaponization of an otherwise uh, legitimate agency for political ideological purposes. Um, this kind of a 
uh, corruption is present also within the Catholic Church. I think that's the takeaway lesson here. And the adjunct lesson is we have got to stand up out of loyalty to the church. I mean, if we if we complain about the FBI, we complain about what the Biden administration is doing. It's, not, it's because we love America. It's because we respect the office of the presidency. We respect it too much to allow it to be uh, misused in this way. Same thing with the church. We're, we're not here trashing the church. What we're saying is, listen, we love the church too much to allow these kind of things to go unnoticed. And a lot of people have been, I mean, the chorus of support that I've gotten has been accompanied by the very point you're making that, wait a minute, this seems to be, whatever Father Frank may have done or not, this seems to be unequal. I mean, he's yeah. trying to advance the church's teaching on the most fundamental right that we have is life. We, without life, we don't have the right to health care, to work, to, 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 to uh, vote or to do anything else. So w- w- what's wrong with a priest? You know, Lauren, when I first got this assignment 30 years ago for Priest for Life, it wasn't because the bishops came to me. Cardinal O'Connor was in New York. He was my ordaining bishop. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because he came to me and said, I want you to do this. I went to him. I experienced, and I experience it every day of my life, this crystal clear calling, this desire uh, to devote myself fully to the unborn. Uh, uh, Some people devote themselves fully to feeding the poor, to helping the sick, to educating youth. That is absolutely praiseworthy work. Why can't we devote ourselves full time to to serving the unborn? And every conflict I have had with the hierarchy of the church has been over this one question of can I indeed live this vocation? I consider it a vocation, not just an assignment to to defend the unborn and to end abortion. And uh, it's like, why not? And nobody has given me an answer to why not. That's really an amazing kind of situation because you're right. There are many priests who's who are, um, you know, taking in immigrants. They're feeding the poor. They're this is part of their ministry. Um, I know. Do you know who these bishops are that have spoken against you? Um, if you can say their names, that'd be great. But if you just say no, I know who they are, but I don't want to identify them. Well, uh, no, I think they need to be identified. And, and of course, the, the main uh, ringleader in all of this, we've already mentioned his name, uh, Patrick Zurich there in Amarillo. And I've got a lot of questions uh, for him that have not been answered, even though uh, he, I have technically been under his jurisdiction since 2008. Uh, Lauren, one of the things, and, and again, for those who followed this story and they say, uh, you listen to what that letter said, oh, Father Frank hasn't obeyed his bishop. Let me give you a real quick example. He he, um, uh, when he called me back to the diocese in 2011, which I referenced earlier, uh, I appealed to the Vatican and they ruled in my favor. Mm-hmm. And they said, the bishop should not have restricted your work. You can go do your work. Well, I met with the bishop and he said, first he said, oh yes, the Vatican has ruled in your favor. He said to me, you can do your work without restriction. A week later, he reversed himself. Hmm. completely reversed himself one week later. And he said to me, oh, the reason is this particular archbishop in Rome, uh, uh, who was in this office that deals with priests, told me I could not do that. I could not give you permission to resume your work. Well, he identified the archbishop. So guess what I did? I flew to Rome and met with the man. And and I said, did you tell my bishop he couldn't uh, give me permission? 
And you know what he told me, uh, Lauren? And I have this all in writing. He said, no. He said, I told him just the opposite. Wow. I told him to be generous with you in doing your, or give, letting you do your work. Now, what is a priest supposed to do in that situation? You got the Vatican telling you one thing and your bishop telling you the opposite. I mean, either the man, either the bishop didn't understand what the Vatican told him or he was lying to me. I, and at that point, I lost trust in the process. Wow. And, and, and I have seen the process, but people, some people ask, oh, did you engage in the process? Did you defend yourself? Did you have it? Well, of course, but, but at a certain point, uh, and this, you, we've seen this with President Trump, too, with these processes that were launched against him, these fake investigations, the fake impeachments. You lose trust in the process after a while because you see that it's more of a persecution than a process. You know, um, let, we've got to get to Pope Francis, though, because, you know, obviously yes. he likes he defends the unborn. Um, yeah. he, he, you've met with them at some point. He, um, you know, liked your work, uh, yeah. your pro-life work. He does defend life, but he has also said in the past that it's not the only issue facing the church. And then right. also he's been critical of the Catholics in America uh, yep. being political, you know, siding up to the evangelicals who are much right. more political. So we've got a lot of back baggage here that could be the reason why Pope Francis signed on the dotted line. What do you think? You are, Lauren, I, I, and I'm not saying this just because you and I happen to be talking now, but you're, you're getting at, at some of the underlying factors here better than any of the interviews I've, I've done on this. Uh, we have seen coming out of the Vatican from some of the advisors of Pope Francis, this criticism of the conservative, the conservative yeah. movement in America. All right. They hold on to their their pro-life position, but the conservative politics. Now, I am a priest who goes into these conservative gatherings prominently all the time. And and, and usually the only priest uh, uh, in these some of these arenas, mm -hmm. although there, there are some others. But, you know, I'm a speaker, regular speaker at CPAC, and proudly so. I, I, I'm a member of the Council for National Policy. I go to countless other uh, arenas here where where I think what's what the what the story is here is they know that I'm at these meetings. They know I'm very prominent and influential at these meetings. Meetings, they don't want, as the as certainly certain bishops, they don't want it to appear that the Catholic Church is endorsing all these different po conservative political positions. So they figure, well, either we get Father Frank not to go to the meetings, and they haven't been able to do that, mm -hmm. or we're just going to have to say he's not a priest. So therefore, if I'm not a priest, well, then it's like I'm not seen as officially representing the position of the Catholic Church, and therefore the bishops, and therefore I'm not embarrassing them when they're standing with their Democrat uh, friends, as we were talking about before. I think that's a big part of the dynamic here, and and I hope that makes some sense. Well, it sounds like a lot of green-eyed monster working uh, there. I mean, the, the envy, it appears to be, um, that you have, you're very prominent. Like you said, you're at the meetings, you're at the conferences, uh, you know, you're the keynote speaker kind of thing. Um, but also there's an issue of control. I mean, there is. Yes. They can't oh, control yeah. you and you and any organization like that that has a budget or that takes in funds. Um, there's also that level of power that there they is. probably, and, and, you know, fighting against. I think I think, again, you're hitting the nail on the head that it's unusual for a, a diocesan priest who's under the authority of a bishop, rightly so. 
to be the head at the same time of a multi-million dollar organization. I mean, we've become one of the largest pro-life organizations in the world, certainly the largest one in the Catholic Church that focuses on ending abortion. And, um, you know, the, 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 the bishop under whose authority I'm supposed to be, whoever that might be, does not have control and, and, and over that organization. And this is important for people to understand, even though we're working in union with, obviously, the, the Catholic Church, nevertheless, we have our own board. This is an independent ministry. Uh, a, a bishop can, can, can say, I have authority over you as a priest, but he can't say, I have authority over a priest for life because they don't. So, mm. so they don't like this. If this is like a priest under their authority who's got a little bit too much power, influence, and, and money. Um, but it's sad that if that's the case and if that's the concern, why can't we work that out in a, in a respectful uh, a way that you work out any kind of other problem and sit down and talk and negotiate? We've tried. We've yeah. tried for decades, uh, but they just want it their way and they want to be in control. It sounds perfectly reasonable if, you know, fighting for the unborn takes precedent over politics. I mean, you yes. know, if, if that's a priority, then we need to work together because I don't know of any other Catholic organization doing what, what you're doing. But the other thing, right. one of the other things you have said, and I want to kind of end on this because I think it's really, really important in the Catholic Church, is that you say you're fighting for the soul of the church. Very important that people understand that even though the Catholic Church has been very, very staunch pro-life, the Catholic membership has not been. Uh, and we're not talking about the Pelosi's and the Bidens. We're talking about the lay level, you know, the everyday parishioner. And if you do the polls uh, of the Catholic Church of members, their support of abortion is almost like 50-50. I mean, it's it's basically mirrors the population of the country. Talk to me about the soul of, of the Catholic Church here in America. We are called to give everything for the kingdom of God. We are called to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are called, when we see the vulnerable, whoever they are, the poor, the, the destitute, the unborn, who are more destitute than anyone, the call of the church is to love them and, and to do everything possible to protect them. When I say this is about the soul of the Catholic Church, and I hope that doesn't sound too you know, pretentious, I'm not putting myself in any kind of, 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 of on any kind of, of pedestal. The point is, is simply this. What's the mission here? Uh, uh, and where is the battle for the soul? The battle is this. How much are we willing to sacrifice when the, the going gets really tough? And this is a tough battle. Roe v. Wade has been reversed, but the battle now is, is therefore even more engaged. And the other side is going crazy and they're putting these abortion until birth measures into place. Uh, and, and we've got to say, you know, how much are we willing to give in order to change this? Uh, Lauren, when I say the soul of the Catholic Church, I'm seeing documents and letters coming out from bishops to their priests saying things like this, and I'm quoting, do not preach or teach about anything that will anger or divide God's people. It's like, mm. what? What? And if that's the way our soul is going to be, I can understand why they don't like me. Some bishops have said to me, oh, Father Frank, you are too aggressive on abortion. And my response respectfully was, as soon as abortion stops being so aggressive on those little babies, then you come and talk to me. But we've got to save them. And, and it's like, is the church ready to step up to the plate? It's one thing to know the church's teachings on abortion. I've been educating clergy 
For 30 years on how to preach on this issue, we lead with compassion, by the way. We say to people, there's no need to have an abortion. We don't point fingers of judgment. We extend hands of help. Come Mm -hmm. to us. We'll help you have your baby. We extend compassion to those who've had abortions. Like I said, I run the largest ministry for that. I've I've ministered to people who've had as many as 26 abortions, a single individual. Oh, my gosh. so, so we have compassion for these people. But the point is, the point boils down um, to this, is that are we going to be able to step up to the plate and not just know what the church's teachings are on this matter, but engage the battle where you've got an oppressive abortion industry, you've got a major political party in league with them, there's going to be pushback. And yes, people are going to get angry. And yes, people are divided. But but we shouldn't be so concerned that we're a divided nation or divided church as we are concerned about being on the right side of that division. The division is a given. We have to rise up in the strength of the soul of the church is to say, you know what? I don't care who's against me. We got to be on the right side of of truth and and justice and God himself. And whatever they're going to throw at us, we're going to take it and we're going to be in there fighting. That's what the people in the pews want to see their leaders do. People don't. And I said to these bishops, people don't support priests for life because you tell them to. Mm -hmm. People are supporting us because we're saying and doing the things they wish their priests and bishops were doing, but they're not. Uh, And that's why I say a battle for the soul of the church. Let's be people who are all in for the kingdom of God and are standing up for truth no matter what the price. Let's not shrink back when there's going to be persecution and sacrifice. And Laura, I think that's the only thing that's going to ultimately solve all of this. When you say, as you say, so many of the people are not on board with with this. Well, it's going to take some persecution of the church to wake people up. Wow. Wow. Uh, Father Frank Pravone, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. This has been amazing and uh, really wonderful to have you on and talk about this because uh, obviously this is not over yet. Um, and That's so, right. And so we will uh, go forward. Any, any, If you get any good news out of the Vatican, let me know because we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get that on because I think it's important. Um, my thing, I mean, I would, I would challenge challenge Pope Francis, because I'm not Catholic, but I will challenge Pope Francis. I would ask him, like, under whose authority do you live? Is it under Jesus Christ, or is it under your own intellect solely? I mean, I would just, I would really challenge that, um, and I would ask him, be honest with us. Um, you know, you don't like, you know, a Catholic priest working with the Republicans and evangelicals, but you're okay with them working with the Democrats, are you? So, I mean, I would ask those questions, but obviously you have to get a relationship with him that's a little more positive uh, because you want to <laughs> get your priesthood back. But I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Uh, thank you, Lauren, for this and for all your work. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.